today. It tells us in God's word in Romans chapter one, starting at verse one. Paul is servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and through the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God and power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of the faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to be to belong to Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us and um, let the Lord guide us at this time and let us dive right into it. Let me pray for us. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, we thank you for all the good things, Lord, you have given to us, even your word at this time. So, Lord, let us cherish your word. Bring our minds and our hearts, Lord, to be attentive at this time. Encourage us, Lord, in places, Lord, that we are struggling in, areas, Lord, that we're not trusting you in. Help us trust you more. Help us be like you, Lord. Conform us, Lord, into your image through the preaching of the word today. So help me, Lord. Give me strength that I can preach your word faithfully. And I preach your word, Lord, with all integrity. Preach your word in a way that, Lord, that honors you at this time. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless us, Lord, at this time. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Amen. I remember growing up, and I always use sports illustrations. I can tell I don't watch anything and do anything but sports. All right. But I remember growing up, and um, the coach, uh, one time on a particular practice, a uh, particular time, and uh, the coach, um, same thing I tried to do with Christy, asked us to go ahead and start doing exercise to be the leader. And as I went out there and trying to be the leader, nobody took me serious. They didn't take me serious. I said, hey, it's time to do jumping jacks, time to do push-ups. The teammates looked at me as I was a joke. And sometimes I even get Christy to go out there, lead the girls and everything to do warm-up drills before we get there to take, you know, to take initiative, to take control. Sometimes my sister don't take us serious. I mean, one time Jerry was actually helping out with track one time, and, and Jerry was trying to help out, and the kids were kind of all over the place at one, at, one, at one moment. And one thing we notice about all these situations is that if a person is not like the head coach, a person that's not really in charge, a lot of times people don't take them serious. They probably even say, I don't care. You know, even your parent might say, hey, look after your brother and your sister, and you're looking after your brother and sister, and you're trying to tell your brother and sister what to do, the right thing to do, and they probably say, oh, well, I'm listening to you. You're not my mama. But well, they say, well, mom told me to look after you. I don't care. Then when mama get home, they say they didn't say this. They'll say they didn't say it. They didn't care, right? Have y'all been there before? Like when somebody's not, I think in a very similar way, we're going to be able to start this book of Romans. Paul knows at times 
people would not take him serious. They won't take God's word serious. So he's going to start this letter off with first is that this is why you need to take it serious. That, that I'm speaking before me. I'm speaking on behalf of someone else. We know that all scriptures, 66 books of the Bible, right? It was written by holy men taught by the Okay. Got some catechism going on. They're taught by the Holy Spirit. Good job, Markel, for the answer. Uh, they're taught by the Holy Spirit. And so what happened, though, is that Paul is going to open out the gate is that I know you never not want to listen to me in this, but this is why you should listen to me in this, that this word is coming from God himself. How you know it's coming from God? Paul is explaining who God is. And what God has done as he starts this off with. So as you look back at your childhood and think about scenarios that I just mentioned. How someone didn't take you serious or you didn't take somebody else serious, right? And somebody else was in charge. They're not the, you're not the teacher. Well, in a similar way, I pray that today, as we hear these words from Paul, that our heart doesn't come to this way or come forth from me. Well, Crescent, you're not Paul. You're not Jesus. I pray that we all in this room, even for me preaching this word, that we all are attentive to this word and open to what God has for us in this word because authority is given to Paul from Jesus as he wrote these words down. Not to say Paul was special in any way, but Paul was one that God has set apart for this ministry. And with that being said here today, We're going to do it in three points today, this message. And we're going to title this, Set Apart for the Gospel. Everybody say, Set Apart for the Gospel. And we're going to do it in three points. The first point is this, God promised us the gospel, verses 1 through 4. Point number two, the gospel came to us in verses 5 through 6. And point number three, the gospel is still with us. In, in, um, in verse 7 and if you scan your phone it might say Genesis I just updated I'm sorry I, I was so caught up with Genesis and I still wrote Genesis down by accident so uh, it should say Romans 1 1 through 7 so in point number 1 we can jump right into it is God promised us the gospel let me give an intro to the book real quick of Romans the book of Romans is a letter written to the church of Rome written to the church of Rome Rome is found in Africa Rome is found in Europe that's right Miss Kathy we learn about Paul in the book of Romans so it's a reason why the book of Acts come first isn't it the book of Acts came first it shares with us as when Jesus left, right, he was ascended to heaven. And now he has given these apostles or he given these disciples, he commissioned them now to continue his work throughout Jerusalem and to beyond. And on this journey of sharing the gospel, we learn about a guy named Paul. Think about it. If we didn't have the book of Acts, how would we know anything about Paul? So God is strategic on what he done. He put Acts there first, the book of Acts, to teach us about Paul. Now we're going to learn about the letters of Paul. 
Also, we learn the Acts. We learn Paul went to these different places to try to raise up churches in these places. And so now Paul is writing a letter to different places that he goes to. The places like Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, and the places called Ephesus. The book of 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians is the place called Corinth. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, it's a place called Thessalonica. And this place right here that Paul is writing his letter is a place called Rome. And we learned in the book of Acts about Paul. Paul was a black Hebrew Israelite. All right. We learned about Paul is that Paul was a Jewish guy in the Old Testament, right? He was Jewish. But not only was he Jewish, he had a Roman citizenship. So he was Jew, but he also was a, a Roman. And by being a Jew and a Roman, Paul was able to have benefits that a lot of people didn't have at the time. He had a dual kind of citizenship at this time. So he was able to be able to, to be a guy that knew the Jewish culture, but also knew the Roman culture. And by being this type of guy, Paul was a person that was actually a Jewish person, but he hated the Christian church. He hated the Christian church. And so Paul would ravage the Christian church. Anytime he heard anything about Christians, he wanted to actually get rid of them. But all of a sudden, God saved him on the road to Damascus. On his way to hurt Christians. On the way to pull out in the words of Greg, what you call the thing y'all were talking about? The Draco thing. On his way to do those certain things, Paul was on his way to hurt some people, but the Lord stopped him in the tracks. The Lord stopped him in the tracks. And the Lord asked him, Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why did you persecute me? What did Jesus talk about me? Jesus was talking about his church. Like, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? And at this moment, God was starting to do a work in him, turn his heart to himself. So then Paul eventually turned from persecuting the church to be a person, to be a witness of the church. That God have now saved somebody that hated the people of God, that hated the, the things of God, and God had brought them from death to life. This wasn't a coincidence. But it was the wisdom of God allowing a person to go through things to be able to be used by God and God's glory. One person said this. Um, my uncle named Dr. Martin Lord Jones. He said the very man, talking about, um, I think we're talking about Luther here, the very man at the right moment for the particular task Look at it in the case of Martin Luther. That's what it was. This is a man to bring the Protestant Reformation. The man who has been trained as a monk. The man who has known all about the Rome for the inside. Such are the men God uses. He does not take a man who knows nothing about these things and fill him with the spirit and use him. No, he has prepared his man and he has continued to do such throughout the centuries. Let me read that again. Everybody listen to this. He's talking about Martin Luther. 
This was the man to bring about the Protestant Reformation. Why did God bring about, why did God choose Martin Luther to bring about the Protestant Reformation? He said, the man who has been trained as a monk, the man who knows all about Rome from the inside, such are the men God uses. He does not take a man from who knows nothing about these things and fill him with the spirit and use him. No, he has prepared his man and he has continued to do so throughout the centuries. Let me put it in palm bluff terms for you, what I just read. That everybody in this room has a story. God has been preparing you ever since you were a child, being raised up in El Dorado, being raised up in Goo, palm bluff. God was already making a story in you, even in Flagstaff. God was already raising you up for when you hit your knee when you fell on the ground in sports. When you made a bad grade in school, when your first little boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you, all these things, when you lost a loved one, all these things that happened uniquely to you in this room, God allowed to happen to uniquely raise you up as a person of God to be used by God for the people of God. So everybody have a story in here and everybody in this room do not have the same story. Not everybody's here from the south side of Chicago or from England. Not, not the UK, but England and Arkansas. Everybody's room has a story. And your story is a story that God has designed from eternity past. And your story of how God has saved you and all of the brokenness you've been through, all the things you've done before marriage, right? All the different drugs you got into, all those bad things, said family, when God saves you, right? You meet those same people again that were just like you. And now that person was just like you now, you know how to care for them. You know how to deal with them. You know how to do those things with them. I think that's what we're going to see in Paul. Paul, he hated the Christian church. He was already a Roman citizen. He knew Greek culture. He knew Roman culture. He knew all these things. And God raised up the same man that didn't like the church, knew about Judaism. He knew everything about Judaism. He would memorize scripture by being trained by Gamaliel. So he knew everything about Jewish culture. He knew scriptures. But also, he's a Roman citizen. He knew both, right? So what God is going to do, what God did with him in Acts, God took him to the Roman world to meet the Jewish people, to give them a Jewish Savior that saves Jewish and Gentile people. So for you in this room, as we go through this book of Romans, think about Paul is writing to a people that, that, that he's able to relate to. Uh, uh, people that, that he can bear the burdens with. A uh, uh, people that he used to hate. But now he turns around now the people that he cares for. So family, your past will be used to minister to others in ways that I wasn't prepared for. That is why the Christian church for all that believe 
We need the entire body of Christ. We need everybody in the body of Christ because some of you guys can relate and give the gospel and care for some people in ways that I can't. In ways that Deja can't. Ways that Daphne can't. Ways that Christy can't. And so we need the entire body of Christ. Everybody don't know it all. And we can't care for everyone. We can try to be sensitive, but some people in this room can care for people better than other people in the room. The church is not called to be Superman, right? We're not called to be a Superman within the church. We're called to be the body of Christ. Hands, feet, toenails, and all this other stuff. Eyelashes and everything else, you know? I'm talking about eyelashes, but all these things, right? We all are needed within the body of Christ. Every finger, every toe, everybody is important within the body of Christ. And everybody can use, can be used because of that unique background, to better care for one another in the body of Christ. So people that are here, I say be a part of a church. Be faithful to a church. Be around the people at church. Not just show up on Sunday. Be around the people of God. Because you have a story that can help somebody that's hurting through the week. And when you're not here, how can they be cared for? In a very particular way. Of course, I can get something general that God love you. God understand what you're going through. I can say something genuine. I mean, say something in, um, very in general. But Greg can say something like, hey, this is my past. What you just went through, I went through that 10 years ago. Brian can come out and say, yes, I experienced the same thing. But this is what the gospel says. This is what Jesus says in the midst of this. So family, as Paul is the right man for this. Family, I hope we can learn from this as well. How God uses us in a very similar way. So with that being said, we jump right in. We see here in verse 1, it said, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be apostle. He's a servant of Jesus. Where a servant is dulo. Some people mess with me and my mom. Uh, Instagram name, but that's where it comes from, servant. Dulo is what means servant. So Paul is a servant, not to himself. He's a servant to Yeshu Isu, Jesus Christ. Jesus is Yeshua. Christ is what? The Messiah. So he's a servant of the Messiah. For Jesus, he's unique about this Jesus. A lot of time, there's a lot of people in that town with name Yeshu, which is Joshua. A lot of people named Joshua, right? But he's very particular. This is not any Joshua right here. This Joshua right here, which is Jesus, which is Jesus, he's the Messiah. This is a Messiah that Paul is sharing his allegiance. My allegiance is to Jesus Christ called to be an apostle. The word apostle means to be sent out. Let only learn that Paul was sent out, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. We see Peter more apostle to the Jewish people. But to be an apostle is the one that been sent out. So for us as believers in this room, yes, we all are apostles. Okay? We all have been sent out, right, to be able to take the gospel to different places. But this is a different apostle right here with Paul. So when people have apostle in front of their name, this is different right here. Ligonier says this, the office of apostle was not perpetual, 
but was in the office of the 12 men given to establish the church of God's new Israel. Over and over in the New Testament, we see a clear distinction between the apostles and those who came after them. Follow, following the close, close of the New Testament, we find the early Christian writing that men like Clement, Polycrop, distinguished between apostolic office and their own offices as pastor and bishop. It goes on to say this from Acts 1, 21 and 22. Say that for a man to be an apostle, he had to be a member of a band of disciples from the beginning. Or to have been an eyewitness of Christ's resurrection. Later on, when Jesus called Paul to be an additional apostle, these qualifications had to be modified. But one thing Paul had that no other later so-called apostle can have, Paul had the direct visible approval of the other apostles. It is clear that there can be no apostle today except the general sense that all believers are sent as apostles. What he's saying though is that to be an apostle like Apostle Paul in the Old Testament, you have to visually be able to see Jesus face to face in appearance. Then you have to be approved by the apostles at the time. One of the things is that we can't be approved by the apostles because all of them did. There's one reason though. So anybody got an apostle here that you have to be approved by the other apostles that was here. The second thing we learn here though is that about apostles is that Jesus had to actually approve a person to be apostle, to be visibly. Now we can see Jesus, right? Through the scriptures. But Jesus hasn't appeared before us right now in front of us, walking around in front of us in this room. So there's no apostles today in a way of title-wise. So, Zoe, you can't use apostle in front of your name. But I can say that we all in this room that are believers, we all are a form of being sent out. So the word apostle means apostolos. Everybody say apostolos. Apostolos means to be sent, right? We all are sent out to different places to go to work and share the gospel and things of that nature, right? But the apostle has an office that was uniquely given to Paul and those disciples. So with that being said, is that Paul was a unique apostle and he was set apart for the gospel of God. This gospel was promised throughout the Old Testament. It said right here in verse 1, it said, set apart for the gospel which he promised beforehand to his prophets and the Holy Spirit. That tells us that the gospel didn't just come in the New Testament. The gospel existed in the Old Testament. God promised before creation of a redemption plan that Jesus was going to come and die for people before you was even created, Bishop, or Miss Heard. Before you was even in this world, God has already promised that he's going to bring about a plan that Jesus is going to die for the people. Before Adam and Eve came into this world, God already had a plan. It's called covenant of redemption. That God had a plan that Jesus was going to come. You might be thinking this question then of that man, that God, with all the sin that's happened, God has given Satan, the devil, God gave him some type of freedom. Ultimately, God is over control of everything. That God could have been Thanos, right? He could have just did that and snapped the serpent out of the garden and the serpent is over no more. But God, ultimate purpose to use evil for good, God allowed that serpent to be there, right? 
to bring about eventually for him to come at his incarnation, for him to defeat Satan by the cross, for him to redeem a people for himself. So God allowed evil to show the bitter good. That don't mean God is like we're a robot or God is like not knowing what he's doing, but God has an ultimate purpose in all of these certain things. So even before creation, God had a plan. He's going to bring about a glorious plan of good news that he give to bad, bad people. And we saw this in Genesis 3.15. How God was revealing to us different types of the good news. We can keep going through the Old Testament. Different instances that God is going to bring about good news and a good Savior. How Cain killed Abel, that God brought about a substitute son named Self. Then also Noah what can save in the ark and his family. God has shown us all throughout the Old Testament that God is going to save a particular people. Abraham not sacrificing his son because a better sacrifice to come. Who is the better sacrifice to come? Jesus. All throughout the Old Testament, God is telling us that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. It should be like them footsteps, right? When the parents tell the kids to go to sleep at night and the kids hear the footsteps, right? And they start being quiet. They start kind of, hey, hey, I like fake like we sleep. Family, all throughout the Old Testament is those footsteps. It's those footsteps that are everywhere that he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Greg looking at me like he doesn't see, that he doesn't believe me or something in this. We see this even with David. How David talks about a king that's coming after him that's going to be greater than him. What about Ruth in the story of the kingdom redeemer? You guys get a little mushy inside when talking about Ruth, don't you? Boaz, right? You know Boaz? And so Boaz is kinsman redeemer. Who is the true kinsman redeemer? Jesus. Joshua, we're going into war. In Joshua 5, 13, you guys remember the woman was standing there with a sword to protect them. It was a picture of what? The Christ to come. You guys get the point. The entire Old Testament point to to Jesus. So it tells us right here, Romans, right here, starts us off with that Paul was set apart for the gospel. And this gospel was promised beforehand. How Paul breaks it down to it. that it came beforehand. The gospel that Paul is proclaiming isn't a new gospel, but that is what God has promised. So Paul tells us right here, the college apostle, and called Paul now is set apart for the gospel, not a new gospel, but the same gospel that people were saved by in the Old Testament, a gospel that Jesus was coming, that Jesus was going to die for his people. So Paul is letting the Roman people know in his letter that, hey, I'm writing this letter, and this letter is not going to say anything different than what's already been preached. So Paul is saying, I'm going to say the same thing Abraham is saying, the same thing that Isaiah, Jeremiah, Exactly, lamentations. Exactly, we're saying. So Paul is saying, I'm saying the same gospel, so you can listen to me. So Brian, if you wrote a letter to somebody, and somebody just, for example, got hurt in football, you wrote a letter to them, and you're talking about, you know, something kind of random, you know. Um, hey, you ever been to? The bouncy, the bouncy house or something. You just write something random to them. And then get the letter like, I, I told you I was hurt. They're going to want you to write a letter to them trying to encourage them through their injury, right? 
Well, Paul is not writing a, a random letter here. He's writing a letter strategically for a particular reason because it might could be some doubt in this church, in the Roman church. It's like, Paul is not really an apostle. Paul is preaching another gospel. So Paul is letting them know as he's starting his book off with, hey, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ and I'm preaching the same gospel. He does this first because if he doesn't do this first, they don't want to listen to him. I don't want to read that letter. I don't know him. So Paul is saying, this is why you should read this letter. I'm preaching the same gospel that you heard beforehand. You guys with me? Man. Point number two. As we said in point number one, the promise of the gospel. And the point number two now, Paul talks about now the gospel came to us. Verses five through six. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So the same Jesus, all scriptures point to from Old Testament and New Testament. The same Jesus that's descended from David. You guys see this right here in verses 3 4, right? Look in verse 3 and 4 and 2. So the same Jesus in the Old Testament, New Testament points to him. The same Jesus talks about a descendant from David. You guys see the descendant from David in verse 3? Right? The same Jesus that was declared the Son of God by the Spirit, raising up Jesus from the dead. Do you guys see that in verse 4? Then the same Jesus, the, the same Jesus is the Lord, which could be master and ruler or Yahweh. You guys see this? The rest of verse 4. So we see this Jesus. This Jesus right here, the Old Testament descended. This same Jesus gives grace. Grace is an unmerited favor. So the same Jesus was predestined uh, predest and talked about in the Old Testament. This is the same Jesus that gives grace. The same Jesus that given it to Paul tells us right here. He gave him grace and he gave him what? Apostleship. To this unmerited favor. Receiving merit that you didn't deserve. That's what grace is. You receiving merit that you don't deserve. Where does this come from? It came from the same one that was predestined from the Old Testament. That's big. Think about this. The entire Old Testament talk about Jesus, and the same Jesus that the whole Old Testament talks about, he the one gives that grace. So family, if this Jesus gives out the same grace, and the gospel is given to us, family, this is something we should cherish. That everybody doesn't get this. Family, we get this. Amen. One person says, It's the Holy Spirit by whom the agency Christ was raised from the dead, in, in whom Christ, as exalted king, can and does send forth. That Jesus, the one that's ascended of David, since he is the second person of this trinity, right? He's the one that can get grace. He's the one that can make Paul an apostle. So Paul is saying that you guys don't have to question my apostleship. You guys don't have to question grace because this is the same Jesus that was predestined in the Old Testament. He gave this to me. And for example, somebody get a job. Somebody said, well, you don't have that job. But the CEO come out, yes, I gave this person that job. 
How can a person, they can't question a, they can't question a person anymore, can they? They can't question that person anymore because the CEO said, no, I gave them that job. In the same way, Paul is writing this out before us now, that now they can't question Paul's credentials now because Paul is saying the grace and apostleship was given to him by Jesus. So what y'all got to say now? So it came to Paul. In the same way, family, it comes to us, doesn't it? God gives us grace. God gives us grace. Unmerited favor that we don't deserve, God gives that to us. He gives it to us. The God of creation gives it to us. Nobody can take it away from us. So God gave grace to Paul. He gave grace to us. Family, we have something that we don't deserve. We have grace from God. And the grace keeps us when nobody else keeps us. The grace keeps us. So family, they should be ready to receive this letter. And even for us, we should be the first one to testify God's work. And many would know that we are Christ's disciple because of the grace that he had given to us. Just like he had given to, to Paul. So Paul has received this grace. And family, we receive this grace as well. And the last point I want to be able to finish off with here. Not only that God promised us the gospel. Not only the gospel came to us. Family, the gospel is still with us. It says in verse 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul now is letting us know that this letter is to the Christians in Rome, but it's also for us. And this letter will help clear up the things that are before them. It is to the Christians to love, be loved by God. And we know that God does love everyone, but God has a special love for his people. So Paul says, grace to you. As Paul said, he was received grace from the Lord. Now Paul tells them right here, hey, grace to you now in Rome. I have received grace. Hey, grace to you from Jesus Christ as well. And peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is going to be the rhythm through the rest of this book of good Romans. Paul's going to be reminding them of the gospel, what I just mentioned to you guys, what the gospel is for the Gentiles and also for the Jews. He's going to be able to share with them, this is what the gospel is, and all of us have what? Broken God's law. For all of us have sinned against God, we all need the good news. Because it's going to be some people in the room, they're going to feel like they don't need the good news. And Paul's going to explain to them, though, is that we all need the good news. And by us being even good news, that we're going to have to be justified by God. And by being justified, guess what's going to call us to love one another? I think a lot of times, people or churches have struggled with loving one another. Because we don't, we don't cherish the justification we have with Jesus first, right? Once we know what Jesus has done for us, we should be able to do the same thing to each other and love one another. So this book of Romans, I'm praying, will lead us as a community of believers to cherish the gospel. But we can't cherish the gospel if we don't first understand that we, are, we have sinned against God. But we don't understand sin. We don't understand the bad news. 
we don't understand the good news. Right? So we got to understand the gospel first. I mean, the bad news first, then the gospel. And so that's what we're going to be learning throughout this book. But I would say, let me end with a couple of applications where we end here this evening, this morning, is that let us be good steward of the grace that's been given to us. You have a phone? Write this down. Let us be a good steward of what the grace has been given to us. Family, we don't deserve to be here. See, some people didn't even know family and friends are strung out on drugs. Going through so much right now. But family, for those that are believers, we know Jesus has saved us and it's a better life to come. We have hope. Family, that all come from grace. So family, let us be a people that restore God's grace. And as we restore God's grace, we better know how to talk to each other with kindness and love. Not trying to one-up each other. Not just trying to get somebody back. But we speak grace to each other. We're kindness to one another. And the last thing I would say application is find somebody in this room before Sunday, maybe through the week. You can read Romans with them, a chapter, a verse. You can read through this with them and study the word with them. And as I preach the word, your heart is already ready to receive it because you're already working through it. So I encourage you with application is that all the things that I mentioned that we're going to get from, um, from through the book of Romans, go ahead and start reading through the book of Romans. Start taking notes through the book of Romans. And as you do that, maybe you can help lead us like here at Christ Redeemer and what does it mean for us to understand, for us to be justified in Christ and how justification leads to loving one another. So let all of us compete with one another in a way of compete and encourage one another in good works for us to study this book and walk through this book together. Let me pray for us.